0: Good morning. morning. It is a nice fall day. It seems like summer is trying to hang on a little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) I like these these days. Acts chapter 20, if you want to turn over, there, is what we're going to take a look at this morning. Before we do, I want to say thank you to all those who have participated this morning. Thank you, Daniel, for your songs. Good job, as always, and uh, Cameron and all the men who helped serve, and the teachers who teach classes and the ladies who prepare the Lord's Supper and all those kind of things. Uh, we appreciate that very much. All goes into a part of our worship and what we do, what we do here today. Acts chapter 20. I titled this lesson, Giving While You're Living. So I'll pull up this introduction slide here. And in Acts 20, Paul leaves Ephesus. That's what we talked about in class this morning. This is the end of the third missionary journey. Uh, before he heads to Jerusalem, though, Paul is going to travel several hundred miles before he actually heads south and then further east. And one of the questions that we ask is, why? Oftentimes, whenever I'm preparing a lesson, such on a section of scripture like this, sometimes I sit in a reading and I ask myself, why this? Why here? Why now? Type of thing. As they take a look at this. And so Acts 20 kind of strikes me that way. Because as you first read it, it can be a little bit confusing. And Paul's doing a lot of traveling. It's like, where is he going? And then where's he been? And where is he headed next? And all these kind of things. And you kind of have to unravel that a little bit to understand what's going on there. And that's what we talked about in class uh, somewhat this morning. But then at the same time, you can just read down through that. Sometimes you can miss it. It's like, wait, wait a minute. What, what just happened there? <laughs> and why did the Holy Spirit preserve this for us. And so kind of stop, pause, think about this for a moment. And as I spent time with this week, I got to thinking, wow, Acts chapter 20 (laughs) is actually pretty impressive. And so all the things that are recorded there for us. And so hopefully this morning, by the time we get through this, you'll take a look at Acts chapter 20 and go, wow, there's a lot of stuff recorded there uh, for us and beneficial. Acts chapter 20 and verse 1, Paul is going to be there at Ephesus. And then by the time you get to the end of chapter 20, he's made it all the way, grand total of 28 miles south. And we think, what happened in between? So these are the three points we're going to give consideration to. As you take a look at Acts chapter 20, what you're going to see is Paul gives of himself. And then he gives encouragement to, To others. And then in the latter part of this chapter. And I told Gerald. I stepped a little bit on his material. Because he's going to be teaching next week. What we're going to see in the latter part of this chapter. Is Paul's going to give God's word. So it's giving. Giving. And giving. Acts chapter 20. Paul's in Ephesus. He's going to talk with some fellas there. And they're going to head For Troas. Paul's going to head for Macedonia. And after he gets to Macedonia, he's going to head south. And he's going to go down through Thessalonica and Berea and those areas and end up all the way down in Corinth and Sincrea, where he plans to sail for Syria. But there's an issue. With some of the Jews. And so he ends up walking clear back north. And he gets all the way back to Philippi. And he hooks up with Luke. And then from there they cross the Aegean and And from there they go to Troas. <coughs> from Troas he will go past Ephesus and down to Miletus. And that's what you see happening in Acts chapter 20. He actually talks about this in Acts chapter 19. And we'll notice that in just a moment. What his plans were when he came to Ephesus. He had plans, and then he spends close to three years there, and then he kind of carries out those plans, but he's told them already what he planned on on doing. And so at the beginning of Acts chapter 20, you see that plan that Paul had kind of start to take effect, and these things get set into action. I want us to take a look, first of all, Acts chapter 20, 1 through 3. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself. He embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece. And he stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. That's that part of that I just told you about. He goes all the way south, clear down into the areas of Greece and so forth. There's an issue, and he has to walk all the way back, clear to Philippi, before he sails across the Aegean and heads to Troas. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. This is when Paul first comes to Ephesus. And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So he comes to Ephesus. Just hold that thought now. Verse 21. He spends time in Ephesus there. And when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit. When he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must all see Rome. So, Paul in Acts chapter 19 is telling you what's going to take place in Acts chapter 20 and verse 1. After I have been here, now I'm going to go to Macedonia. When I get to Macedonia, I'm going to head south down to Achaia, and then I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And after I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome. So where's Paul stop? He doesn't. <laughs> so Paul says, in the Spirit, he had already determined, this is what I'm going to do. At the close of Acts chapter 19, there's been a riot. There's been a serious riot. They have grabbed a hold and arrested a couple of Paul's traveling companions. They are in serious trouble there. Paul wants to go in and speak to them. And there are some of the disciples and some of those from Asia. And they warn him, do not go in there, Paul. Do not go in there. And they keep him from going. Providentially, fortunately enough, the city clerk is the one that kind of calms the crowd and tells them they are in violation of law and could be charged with inciting a riot. And he said, if you have charges against these men, then take it to court. And that kind of thought calms things down. And so in Acts 20 and verse 1, it says, After the uproar had ceased. After the uproar had ceased. Paul called the disciples to himself. He embraced them. And he departed to go to Macedonia. I want you to think about that for just a moment. This is towards the end of the third missionary journey. They just escaped with their skins right there. What do you think might be a good idea at that point? Let's head for the boat. And Paul's like, no. I'm going back. Seriously, Paul? You're going back? Yeah, I told you when I came here. I'm going to Macedonia. I'm going to Achaia. And then I'll go to Jerusalem. And after I go to Jerusalem, then I'm going to head to Rome. That was his plans. And so that's what you see happening. So Paul was determined with the time that he had, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to encourage my brother. I'm going to go back to some of those places that I visited on the second missionary journey. And then I'm going to come back and head to Jerusalem. But that's just for a period of time. And the plans are, they're going to be altered a little bit. But the plans are, once I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to come back and head west again. I'm going to go all the way to Rome. And while he's down south in Corinth, that three months, he writes that letter to Rome and he even tells them, I plan on coming to you and I want to be helped by you on on my way when I come. That was his plans. This is what I've been doing. This is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing next. Lord willing, and after that, that's where I'm going. Romans 12 and verse 1. Now think about this. While he's all the way south, down in Corinth, that three months, most scholars say that's the period of time when he writes this letter to the church at Rome. Chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul's writing to the church in Rome he's in Corinth he escaped a riot with his skin but that's not the first time and you remember that first missionary journey how he went up to Iconium and then Lystra and he got stoned and he got left for dead and then he went on to Derby and then he turned around and came back And there's times when he's been beaten within an inch of his life. There's times when he's escaped like there at Ephesus. And now he's down in Corinth. He's planning on sailing to Syria, but because of a plot of the Jews, he can't even do that. He's going to have to head back north. But he writes to the church at Rome and he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Which is your reasonable service. Isn't that reasonable? Stone left for dead, severely beaten, escaping riots, huh? Been in jail? It's reasonable. (laughs) That's what you ought to do. You ought to give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself in serving others. That's what Paul said. I want to give you this little illustration. It's kind of a silly little illustration. But bear with me. So this pig is talking to this cow. They do that all the time, you know. Haven't you ever seen Charlotte's Web? (laughs) So in children's books and animated movies and stuff, cows and pigs, they talk all the time. So the pig's talking to the cow and he's sort of lamenting the fact it seems like you cows get a whole lot more appreciation than what we pigs do. And I don't understand it. I know you give milk, they get cheese, they get butter, that's all good. But we, bacon, <laughs> ham, sausage, so, why is it that I feel like now you're appreciated more than me? And so the cow thought about it a minute. And the cow said, Well, maybe this is the reason. Because while we're living, we're giving. Make sense? That's what Paul's saying in Acts 20. While he's living, He's given. So Acts 20 and verse 1. When the uproar dies down. Do you think that's maybe a good time? Let's head for the boat. And Paul says no. You guys can go ahead. I'm headed for Macedonia. Macedonia. This is probably about 57 or 58 A.D. It's the end of the third journey. And it's actually getting close to the end of Paul's life. The persecution against Christianity is definitely on the rise by this time. Within seven years of this time frame, the Apostle Peter will be crucified upside down. Legend has it. Within seven years of this time, the Apostle Paul will be arrested for the second time and he will be put to death. But in Acts 20 and verse 24, this is when he's talking a little bit later to those elders from Ephesus. And they're talking about what's awaiting him. He says, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What's Paul saying? Holy Spirit's testifying that trains and tri- uh, chains and tribulations are waiting. Has Paul been through that kind of thing before? He's been through that before. And what he is saying to them there on this occasion. You know that the Holy Spirit is testifying that. They're trying to get him not to go to Jerusalem. He said those things don't move me. That's not what moves me. What moves me. is my service to the Lord. And to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what moves me. So those things. That's not going to stop. So what Paul's saying, this may be getting towards the end of, end of his life, but there's no retirement. <laughs> there's no stopping. There's no saying, well, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I'll jo- join the local golf club, and I'll work on my short game. <laughs> None of that. Now he told them. When I'm down here in Ephesus, I'm headed for Macedonia. When I get to Macedonia, I'm going to Achaia. When I get to Achaia, I'm going to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, then I'm going to head for Rome. And when I get to Rome and I ask them to help me go to Spain, (laughs) there's no stopping. That's what he's saying. My race, my course, is not set by me, it's set by God. And this is what I'm going to do. As long as I can do it. And it'll stop when he says stop not because I'm going stop Acts 19 and verse 21 if you want to kind of use some modern day temp- terminology I'm going to Macedonia, I'm going to Achaia I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome and from there I'm going on you know what Paul's giving us he's giving us like a bucket list did you ever see the movie ever heard of it? Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, two very different people. But both of them have been diagnosed with a terminal illness. The thing that ties them together is that they share a common passion. There's some things that they want to accomplish in life before life is over. So they end up doing things like jumping out of an airplane, (laughs) climbing pyramids, and driving race cars, and doing all kinds of crazy things. Things that they thought were big to them. But along the way, they learned some things about what's really important. Acts 20 and verse 24. See, Paul's journeyed a lot in life. He's getting older now. And in verse 24, he then states, he gets his bucket list in chapter 19 and verse 21. And in verse, Acts 20 verse 24, he says, this is what's become important to me. It's to serve God. Testify the gospel of Jesus Christ. Encourage others. I had a bucket list, and I've learned along the way, this is what's important. So those things that you're talking about, they don't move me. The things that move me, this is what moves me. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 21, he says, in the spirit, he determined. Paul's saying, I made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. It's one of the reasons why this chapter strikes me as so amazing. Acts chapter 20, verse 1 begins, And when the riot had calmed down. (laughs) Seems like a good point to make your exit, doesn't it? (laughs) But instead, Paul said, No, I'm jumping right back into it. You can almost see these guys standing around with him, and they're like, Let's go. (laughs) And he's like, No. They're like, What do you mean, no? We just escaped, Paul. Paul. Now's a good time to head for the boat. And Paul's like, no. What are you going to do? Told you. I'm headed to Macedonia. I can almost say somebody say, Timothy, you've traveled with him for two journeys. Can you talk to him a little bit? Timothy is like, I know the guy. If he says he's going to Macedonia, he's going to Macedonia. So that's what he does. He's been through it. many people say scholars say that Paul was a contemporary of Jesus Christ that they were very close in age so if that's accurate then Paul was converted to Jesus Christ when he was in his late 30s within about 7 or 8 years he will head out on his first missionary journey that makes him probably Mid 40s. He'll go on three missionary journeys. Those who like to calculate these things say that he will travel a total in those three journeys of probably at least 7,000 miles. You know, if you hop on a plane and you travel 7,000 miles, you can do that. (laughs) Paul didn't have a plane to hop on, some of it was by sailing. A lot of it was simply on foot, 7,000 miles. And along the way, he planted dozens upon dozens of churches. He converted thousands of people. He endured severe persecution, but he kept going. Staggering hardships and difficulties. Let me put it like this. I think a lot of us have known or some have even been in the military right? I grew up in the Vietnam era I knew those that went I was fortunate enough, didn't get drafted I knew those that went and they served their tour of duty it was hard years later there were those who went to Afghanistan and Iraq and all these places, tour of duty, saw some horrendous things. And you know out of those guys that went to Vietnam, out of those guys that went to Afghanistan, went to Iraq, went to all these different places, do you know there were guys that actually when they came back, they volunteered to go back again and sometimes again and again? Sometimes people would say, you did your tour. Isn't that enough? Don't go back. And say, I'm going back. That's Acts 20. Paul did his tour. He did three tours. And now it's time. Let's go to the boat. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going back. I'm headed to Macedonia. So Paul, he's saying, "I'm given while I'm living." Acts 20 and verse two. There is, the right chapter. Now when he had gone over that region, that's Macedonia. when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, then he came to Greece. That's 300 and some miles plus south. And so, as Paul heads south, and then in verse 23 of Acts 20, he says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. As Paul leaves Ephesus, goes to Macedonia, heads down to Corinth, He comes back and he makes it all the way to Miletus and he's saying, Holy Spirit's been testifying every place I go. Trouble's waiting me. But that's not going to cause me to stop. So Paul knew what it took to serve the Lord. The conviction, the courage, the resolve But one of the things that I find interesting about Acts chapter 20 also is just very simply this. It's interesting how Luke arranges this material, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but how he he arranges this material. Acts chapter 19, there's discouragement because that window of opportunity has now closed in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20 begins and it seems kind of encouraging because Paul calls the brethren together and he embraces them and, and it's like I, I'm setting out I'm setting out for Macedonia. In verses 17 through 32 Paul's going to call for the elders from Ephesus and he talks about the challenges that are facing him. But then In Acts chapter 20, about verses 7 through 12, which we talked about just briefly this morning in class, there's this little story. And it's a story about a young man who falls out of the window while Paul is preaching and he's killed. And then Paul goes down and falls on him and revives him, and then they bring him back up alive. So in Acts 20, it says travel. 17 through 32, I know chains are waiting me. But in verses 7 through 12, there's this little story. Young man brought back to life. So while Paul is preaching... And Sue said, I can't preach till midnight. I said, I have authority for it. Cameron said, if we fall out the window, you can't be mad at us. I said, if you do, you're on your own. I won't revive you. (laughs) But Paul revives this young man. And in verse 12, he's brought back up alive. And it says that they are comforted when they saw this. Let me ask you this question. As you think about this in the series of events that takes place here in Acts chapter 20, is it possible that we can nod off spiritually? Is it possible it could result in spiritual death? Take a look at verse 28 through 31, as Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders. He says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will arise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone to unite and day with tears. What's he saying? Isn't it interesting that following that little story, then he talks to the elders like this, and he says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. I'm warning you, don't nod off. Over in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. This is one of the young men that is with Paul on this third missionary journey. And this letter is going to be one of the last letters that the Apostle Paul will ever pen in just a few years from now when he's sitting in a Roman prison waiting execution. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Convince. Rebuke, exhort, encourage. And he says, do that with all long-suffering and teaching. Why is that? Because people can nod off. Same book, backing up to verse 14. Paul says, But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy? As he's sitting and waiting death, Paul is? Timothy? You've got to teach. You've got to exhort. You've got to correct. And you do it with long-suffering, and you do it with patience. Timothy, you've been taught these things from your youth. You continue in those things, Timothy. You remember who you heard them from. You know, you read that together, what Paul says in Acts 20. You read what he says in 2 Timothy. It's almost you can hear the pleading. You can hear the encouragement. Paul's not going to assume that his brethren will just get it on their own. He's like, no, I'm going to go encourage him. He's not going to assume that the world's going to help him to get there because the world's not going to help him. So when Paul's ready to leave Ephesus, he says, "I I got to go back. I got to go back one more time. Because in Acts 20, when he talks to the elders from Ephesus, he says, I won't see your face again. Paul knew. <laughs> this is it. I got to go back one more time. I got to try one more time. I got to encourage him one more time. It's just like that tour of duty, isn't it? I know they're still out there. I know they're still fighting the battle. I'm going to go. I'm going to encourage <clears> them <throat> one more time. Last thing, what you see in Acts 20 is that Paul is going to give these elders God's word. Acts 20 and verse 32. He will say, Now I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commend you to God to the word of his grace. And so Paul leaves Ephesus, he goes to Macedonia, he goes to Greece. he goes back to Philippi, he goes to Troas, and then down to Miletus. And finally, after all that travel, he's now 28 miles further south than he was when he started in Acts chapter 20 and verse 1. And the last thing that he wants to give these brethren, he says, I want to commend you unto God and to the word of his grace. I want to read verse 17 through 21. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves therefore watch and remember that for three years i did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears so now brethren i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified verse 35 i have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After all that, Paul's saying, this is what I want you to get out of it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. What's Paul saying? This is what I received. That's what I'm moved by. This is what I give you. This is what you received. In turn, this is what you should give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You have been receiving, and now it's time to give. That's what he's saying. So he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, it's able to build you up. It's able to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified, that are set apart. So in Paul's final days, and his final push, is underlined by the importance of knowing God and His Word. And what Paul's saying is, if they had binders like we have, don't just own a Bible. Read a Bible. Don't just read a Bible. Study a Bible. Don't just study a Bible. Apply a Bible. And don't just apply a Bible. Share a Bible with someone else. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But it's amazing as you you think about all this. There's one other thing that we need to note about Paul in this setting. And, and you think about him saying, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. What's the scriptures that Paul knew? It was that Old Testament, right? But what else do you know about the Apostle Paul? He helped write that word of God, didn't he? There is no other New Testament writer that has written more letters than the Apostle Paul did. 14 in all if you count the book of Hebrews. If you don't want to give Paul credit for writing the book of Hebrews, then there's 13. He writes more than any other writer. So not only is he commending them to those Old Testament Christians, he's commending them to what is going to be revealed. But you ask yourself, after all the giving that Paul has done, He went through painstaking efforts to write down God's word so that it might be preserved. In Ephesians 3 and about verses 3 through 5, this is what he says about this kind of paraphrase. He says, I write these things so that when you read, you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Jesus Christ. That's why it was revealed to me, to his holy apostles and prophets. We write it down so that you can read it and you can understand it. That's what Paul says. That same chapter, he will say, I was made a minister or a servant. And how? He says, by the grace of God. So what's Paul saying? I received and then I give, and I encourage. And that's what Paul is telling telling them to do. So as you think about that, you remember that young man back in chapter 20 and verses 7 through 12? And I told you, I thought it was interesting the way Luke arranged all that and how that's put in right there. Yeah, they were at Torres. They they planned on going to Torres. But it's preserved that little story. About that young man. How physically he kind of nodded off, then he fell out the window. <laughs> and it killed him. And so Paul went down and he fell upon him. And he revived him. And then he was taken back up and presented alive. Listen to what Paul says over in Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Does that sound remotely like the spiritual application of what took place in Acts, the 20th chapter, physically? A young man died physically. Paul went down and threw himself upon him. He was revived and he's presented alive. Did Paul bring that young man back to life? Nope. God brought him back to life. But who did he use? He used Paul. Spiritually, what Paul saying. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But thanks be to God. He's the one that made it all possible. But who did he use to impart that message? It was the Apostle Paul. Are there people spiritually dead today? Are there instruments that he uses? To impart that which will bring them life? Yeah, that's me and you. And so Paul says it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's because you recognize what you've received. So, what Paul's saying is while he was living, he was giving. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. While we're living, are we given? That's Acts chapter 20, or a good part of it. Gerald will tie up the loose ends next week. But we want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here never rendered obedience on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'd encourage you to do that this very day. You can be made alive in Christ. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Child of God, not been living as you should. Why not make your relationship right? While together we stand and while we sing.